All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo alongside James O'Toole this week, and we're also joined by former UCD and Shamrock Rovers midfielder Paul Corey. Now, there's going to be a bit of a European flavour this week. First off, obviously, the Women's European Championships are well underway. Every team now has played once and played their first group games. We're going to react to the sort of first half week of action. And then also League of Ireland clubs are playing their opening rounds of action in their various European competitions, Shamrock Rovers in the Champions League and Sligo Rovers and Derry City in the Europa Conference League. First legs done last week and then playing second legs this week. So we'll be discussing that as well as domestic matters for the teams not involved. So as I said, the Women's Euros, uh, we have all the games live on RTE television and also on the RTE player. Just check the TV listings for whichever games you, you do want to watch. And uh, James, I suppose to start off, you know, this was a tournament that was billed as, you know, six or seven teams having a realistic chance of winning. From what you've seen of the game so far, has your mind changed on any of them? Um, not really, to tell you the truth. I think there's, there's a massive gap between certain teams in the tournament, as we've seen already with the results we've, we've had, even yesterday's results with France and Italy. Um, that game, most games, people would have thought that would have been a much closer game than it actually was. Um, it's like, when you look at the qualifying, you go back to the qualifying, there's only three teams in the entire qualifying that won every game. And needless to say, it's the Dutch, the Germans and Norway who have started the way we expected them to start in this tournament as well. Um, I think from a... From a spectator's point of view, so far, so good. I think it's been a rather good tournament. I think people in England, fair play to them, are getting behind it. They're getting into the stadiums. And I know some stadiums have limited capacity and stuff like that. But so far, it's been really, really good to watch. And it's great that we were able to see all these games on television for the first time for Euros, for us anyway, live here on RTE. It's been brilliant. Yeah. And Paul, for yourself, who's impressed you most from any of the games you have seen? Yeah, I think I guess what's front and center is is France from last night. Uh, I just thought the the means at which they they go forward, they seem to be able to hurt you in so many different ways. Um, it was a name that probably rings a bell with many Irish people. Cass Greeno that stood out for me last night. I was half thinking, Jesus, could she be playing for us? Uh, but she was superb last night. Um, and the French, they just looked lethal. I know they probably took the foot off the pedal in the second half, but they had, I guess, every right to do so, being five nil up at half time and. I guess given the fact that Lyon have been so dominant in the Champions League over recent years, they've got that know-how, they've got expertise in how to actually win competitions. That will probably lend itself to the French as they go further into the competition. But I know there's probably a bit of um, rumours off the pitch about what's going on with the French, as usual, when we get to these European competitions. So it'll be interested to see how that plays out. Outside of that, I thought Holland and Sweden was was a superb game. Um, probably lends itself to the format of the European Championships. We're used to seeing the four groups of four, and you get those real crunch games uh, in the group stages. And uh, I would imagine that if both of those teams can kind of produce performances like that, you would expect that both teams would go out of that group and uh, potentially be a contender once they get to the latter end of the competition. But Medima for for Holland was was just superb. I know I watched a lot of her in the Olympics. And she was brilliant for that Dutch team. But her game seems to have come on again to another level. She's able to take it into feet, running behind. She's amazing feet for, for quite a big woman. Um, and she was somebody who who would definitely will, will keep the Dutch within games, even if they're not playing well. She's somebody who can kind of produce something out of nothing and, and look, certainly looks like she's she's got goals to her game. So they, they were the two games. I think for me, France are are definitely the standouts from, from that first round of games and uh, will be the ones to beat. 
Yeah, Germany also very impressive in their in their opening win over Denmark, who were runners up in 2017 as well. From a Northern Irish point of view, they're back in action tonight. They're playing Austria at five o'clock. So again, live on RT Television and the RT Player, and then England Norway also in that group, which is a huge game too. I suppose two of the supposed favourites uh, meeting relatively early on. But from a Northern Irish point of view, James, I mean Simone McGill with the ACL injury is obviously a blow for them. But as has been said, I think this tournament seems to have come a little bit too early for them it's all about a learning experience yeah it's a learning experience and it's just another one of those unfortunate things that seems to happen with Kenny Shields and teams where he thinks he's got his starting 11 I've got that sorted and then we see an ACL uh, kind of looked like an ACL at the time then of course a couple of hours later it comes out that they're down a fair and it's something that they can't afford like they're probably I would suggest the only part-time team in this tournament where nearly every single player also has a job outside of playing football. Um, so for them to even get to the tournament was an absolutely brilliant um, achievement for them. Uh, I think today they just need to go out and show what they're capable of because I don't think... Like they, they did quite well against Norway, who are a team who people will fancy to win it anyway. So against Austria today, just go out and express yourself and just go for it because, as you said, this... The, they're a very young team as well, and experience all counts. No matter how much you play, once you get minutes under your belts in major tournaments, in major stadiums, surrounded by major fans, and the atmosphere around that, being in camp, and, and we've watched it on telly before, and it'll, it'll do nothing but help them. I just hope that they get out of the gates today. They obviously scored a goal, which I thought was a bit... The bookies the other day were being a bit disrespectful for them, having odds on whether they'd score or not. Was very disrespectful to any team, but <clears throat> hopefully to get a, a, a good foot in the game. I think the England-Norway game is going to be a cracking game today. Should be a really good game, really good fall today. Yeah, there's a few good games this week. There's Germany-Spain on uh, Tuesday in Brentford as well, 8 o'clock. So definitely, I think anybody, if you're in front of your TV screens, try and uh, catch a bit of that because Germany, um, as Lisa Fallon and Richie Sadler pointed out on the coverage, they're pressing against Denmark, who are a really good team themselves. It's unbelievable. And I mean, they squeezed out Pernille Harder, who's, you know, one of the best players in the world. And like, she had no role whatsoever. And then... Obviously, the Spanish later on, um, on the or earlier on that same day as well, very very impressive against a team that Ireland will uh, will be coming up against and have beaten as well, um, which is Finland. So let's listen to Anya Gorman because obviously she was going to have a close eye on the Finns given uh, the first of September and Tala. I was watching closely, and um, obviously they're up against a tough side tonight, and um, it was a, a difficult game for them. But look, they have they have talent. They're they're good defensively, and they're organised. Like we say, they they play on the counter attack, so so they are one to watch when they when they come to what, Tala. What dangers did you see in them? Yeah, look, like we said, uh, Engerman and um, getting forward them on the counter attack. They're they're very fast, and if a team has to open out and, and get at them, I think they can exploit them spaces. And um, so look, looking forward to the game. Obviously, it's a, a really important game for us. Likewise, it is for them. So the pressure your side, you can take. Sorry? Are they a side you can take? Oh, definitely. I definitely think uh, we can take them on and we're confident. And we've obviously a great belief in our squad that um, we can qualify for, for our first major tournament. So 
um, looking forward to it. And hoping for a, a sellout night in Tallaght. Yeah, definitely. I think the tickets are on sale the 24th of July, so get them might now. as well get that in while I'm here. <laughs> Good plug-in. <laughs> yeah, so look, we're hoping that it's a sellout in Tallaght and obviously the crowd will get behind us and that, that can make all the difference on the day. Yeah, so as you said, um, 1st of September, obviously, when Ireland play Finland and as we know, an Irish win and they qualify for the playoffs, which would be historic in and of itself. So um, tickets on sale, obviously, later this month. But uh, Paul, I suppose, from an, just for, with, a, with an Irish eye, obviously, the way Spain dismissed Finland, I mean, obviously, as, uh, as James said, you can see sometimes the gaps between certain teams. But from an Irish point of view, you feel that if, they, if and when they do qualify for a tournament, they will acquit themselves quite well, given what we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think given the progress that we've seen, not only in performances, but also in results over the last 12, 18 months, will certainly give confidence to that group. And we're we're certainly gearing towards that qualification. That is the end goal for, for this core group of players. You can see the progress within kind of the players individually, but also as a collective and, and the performances that we've put together. It is it is very difficult to look at Finland, um, given the fact that they were playing such a, a top-class outfit in Spain to, to take too much from that result. But uh, I think given the, the qualifying campaign that we've had, the results that we've had against the likes of Sweden, that's certainly going to lend confidence to the group. And like everybody keeps mentioning, we're talking about the ticket sales. I think every time I hear an interview about this Finland game, I hear about the ticket sales. I think that game will sell out, no problem. Uh, and we're all we're all heading towards that game in September. And it's going to be huge. It, it really is going to be huge because you see the hype um, that goes along with the European competition, like the one that we're seeing in the UK at the moment. If we can qualify for something of the equivalent, well, then the game is only going to grow. It's only going to keep getting better. Uh, we've seen the sponsors like the Sky rally in behind uh, the Irish women's team. I'm sure that that will continue from, from other sources. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed we can get there because it's going to be huge, um, a huge kind of advantage to women's game here. Yeah. Um, so as I said, this evening, five o'clock, Austria against Northern Ireland and then England, Norway at eight o'clock, which, as uh, James said, is going to be an absolute cracker. And then, as we said, later in the week, Germany and Spain, um, which is uh, on Tuesday in, again, or in Brentford, which is, again, two of the best teams in the competition. We're very impressive. And then on Friday, Northern Ireland against England, which is uh, in Southampton. Um, so, that, yeah, Friday, Friday at eight o'clock and definitely well worth a watch there. Now, uh, also, we're sticking on the European team, obviously, because of the League of Ireland clubs' involvement in the Champions League and Europa Conference League. As we saw last week live on RT2 and the RT player, Shamrock Rovers got a very good 3-0 win over Hibernians of Malta. And... Um, Obviously, the goals came from uh, Ron Finn, Dylan Watts, and then Rory Gaffney. Um, Paul, I suppose from Rory Gaffney's point of view, it was <laughs> pretty much quite an eventful game, in mostly in a good way, and then obviously the uh, the one blemish where he, which he actually got away with. Yeah, I mean, to to focus, I guess, on on the positive first and foremost is his all round performance was superb. Uh, I thought he led the line really well, and he's been doing that in recent weeks. He's certainly a handful. Uh, he's a big man. He, he kind of leads the line for Shamrock Rovers and and kind of does the unselfish work of of the the front man whereas he kind of creates a space for those in behind him but the ball in for Ronan Finn's goal the ball in for Dylan Watts goal um really intelligent play great execution and just you know in the absence of of Jack Byrne and Graham Burke he really stood up and he produced on the night now he's absolutely got away with one uh, later on in the game. I have absolutely no doubt he he knew what he was doing. I know he's come out and he said that uh, it was an accident. I, I think it was just maybe heat of the moment. He's he's lost his head and he was. They were really lucky because 
he should have been sent off in that moment and then he's gone on probably 10 minutes later and he's he's finished off a really well worked move with a superb finish the little dummy before uh, he actually started at home just to give himself that bit more time was was excellent and his all-round display was was superb he was just very lucky that he got away with the red card and he would be missing you would imagine the next leg and potentially the leg after that had he been sent off yeah, yeah. and sorry just as you said um he was uh he claimed it was more accidental so let's maybe just listen to the audio of him first before we continue i definitely caught him but i didn't mean to catch him i tried to get him off me but i didn't think i was obviously gonna i think i caught him in the chin or something but it was accidental just a word on the balance of the tie now it's a very strong lead to take into the second leg in light of the the heat and the humidity that you'll face in malta next week yeah um we were in bratislava last year in albania and it was very warm so thankfully we've a trina lead to take us this this time and just a word again on the crowd in excess of seven thousand, and they played a massive role yeah it's amazing uh, honestly it's it's unbelievable to be to be playing in the stadium in front of, i suppose crowds like this on, on nights like this so yeah rory gaffney there obviously he didn't flinch as he uh, <laughs> with his description of that uh, moment at all uh, that's obviously the media training he got over in salford when he was there because uh, you know if you're going to get somebody off with your feet you're always kind of putting yourself in trouble but he got away with one but i think on the night shamrock rovers were, were very good particularly in that first half we don't see many Irish teams control the ball the way they did and, and control the, the tempo of the game. Gary O'Neill, Chris McCann, Dylan Watts were excellent in the middle of the pitch. Um, and they did enough, you know, while they were on top, they scored goals and that's that's vitally important in Europe. And they were obviously down a number of bodies. So to be able to come through the, the tie 3-0 um, puts them in, in a really good shape now for um, for the second leg. But I wouldn't expect them, Raph, to, to probably come out of their shell too much in, <clears throat> in the second leg. You know, there were times in that second half where... They looked a bit too open for me. I think if it was a stronger opposition, they would have been pegged back. If you think about that chance where the winger's gone in through one-on-one, he should have buried it, hit the post. Two ones, a completely different tie. Uh, they could be facing a bit of trouble going into the second leg, so they probably got away with one. I think Stephen Bradley would be happy enough to just stay in their shape in the second leg. Frustrate Hibernians and potentially look to hit them on the counter-attack. And if they are to get through, you know, they I think they travel again this weekend uh, out to Bulgaria to play Ludogratz. So it's about managing bodies, about managing kind of the energy, the managing the legs and, and hopefully keeping everybody fresh for what would be a massive second leg. Yeah, the away leg tomorrow night and it's on the RT News channel. So that's live from 6.55pm if you can log in and uh, watch that one as well. Um, uh, James, I suppose, as um, as Paul said, it was a uh, it was a very controlled performance. And, you know, we'll talk about Derry City and Sligo Rovers a little bit later on. But it was sort of, you know, in, in a Champions League first round at home where we know the second leg, there's going to be issues with heat. Um, it's exactly the sort of gap and scoreline that you need. Yeah, I think it was a case of what everybody's been crying out to see Shamrock Rovers do over the last couple of years in Europe. Control a game at home. When you're on top, get your goals and then sit back and, and take on a bit of pressure. But as Paul saying, like they're missing many players. I'd say Justin Farizi, I think maybe I pronounced his name wrong. But when I saw that young lad come on, his, his mentality on the ball, his composure on the ball, if someone told you before that, that he was 17 years of age, you wouldn't have believed him when you seen him come on the pitch. He was excellent. So they got to get some young people European exposure as well, which is wonderful for them. And it goes to show that if you've got a proper academy working, this can work for you. But I think they controlled it well. Stuff they haven't done in Europe over the last couple of years, and we've been let down by them a bit in Europe over the last couple of years with the way they played. But last Tuesday night was a great example of how they can control a game in Tala on a brilliant pitch. Rory Gaffney, to me, is 
and has always been a quality player. His size, his physique, his ability to get on the ball and the balls into the box, as Paul mentioned. Like if, if anybody's getting that kind of supply into the box, you're going to score goals. And even the Ronan Finn one, just the fact that the, the left full switches off for a second, Ronan's in, scores a goal, one up, out you go, and just keep on building and building and building. Um, I say they're happy that we've had the weather we've had over the last couple of days because I'm sure they've been training in this weather just to, to even get up to an intensity of what the heat can be like. But fully expect them to, even, to win away again, which would be great. I think that would probably be the first Champions League home and away win I think I can remember in ages, maybe for an Ireland team, and get in there. And then, as Paul said, Ludogorets, if you get on to Ludogorets, have quality in the Champions League, have been in the Champions League group stages. So there'd be no no easy task. They'd be very, very difficult. But I'm sure Steve Bradley and his backroom staff will do their homework on them. They look forward to it. And I think if they get one more win, they drop. If they lose them, they drop into the group stages of the Europa. So there's a load of load of different ways they can go now. And it, but it's a great positive start for the Irish teams in Europe last season. Yeah, let's talk about Ferrizai, actually, Justin Ferrizai, to give him his uh, full name. And also, I'm not sure if my pronunciation is any, <laughs> is any better, better than yours. But, um, you know, obviously, look, as you said, the importance of the academy. And we'll talk about Danny Mandroy, obviously, leaving for Lincoln City as well, because it, there, you know, you're always looking, it, there's always going to be a bit of a revolving door at certain levels. And the next in the production line is what you're looking for. Obviously, people will more likely have seen him playing for the Ireland youth teams. Obviously, his first team experience is very, very limited. It was only his second appearance for, for the Shamrock Rovers first team um, last Tuesday. Um, he was on trial at Hamburg, I believe, for a week or so earlier in the year, but he's also turned down Sampdoria, Paul. I mean, which would have, you know, we've seen a lot of young Irish players going over to Italy, um, but he's looking like he's going to sign a contract with Shamrock Rovers, which is obviously going to be a huge boost for them. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is now the pathway that is being created for, for these younger players. Justin, somebody who I would have seen a lot of, I coached down at that age group with, with Belvedere and Justin was at home for him and then he moved on to St. Kevin's, <clears throat> same team as, as Kevin Zeffi. And you could always see that he had kind of the components in his game to to go and, and progress and he has done so. But I think the freedom with what he has played, particularly in that Champions League game, is something that's kind of taken people back. There's a fearlessness about him. Uh, there was one ball that he took on the half turn and it's just kind of those little glimpses that you see and you think, wow, there's a real player in there and then he's nutmegged Hibernian's player and he's, he's got then the power to push through. So um, his performances were, were excellent, but I, I think we're, we're starting to see maybe some of the fruits of the national leagues uh, coming in and the fact that there's, you know, a system and a foundation there for younger players to actually work themselves through. And Justin's gone from the, the 15th to the 17th through to the 19th and then training with the first team. That that never existed before, Raph. Like Justin would have gone at 15, at 16, and you wouldn't have heard about him until he potentially came to a first team. Whereas now we're starting to become more familiar with these emerging talents that we have. And um, I guess, you know, for, for Justin, if he can continue to, to progress uh, I'm sure that they'll put him on a professional contract with the view of them potentially selling him on later on down the line for a much higher fee than what they would have got at, at 15 or 16. But it's great that he's got his opportunity. Um, Shamrock Rovers is, is a difficult place to get in. Um, I don't believe he would have got that opportunity unless the injuries had actually been about. But 
he has to take his opportunity and he, and he did that with both hands and he's somebody now that if you had an injury in the middle of the pitch you wouldn't be afraid of throwing him in there because he's proved over the last two games that he's played that he's more than capable of stepping up but he's somebody that if he continues to progress you would you would expect to to then move on the likes of an Abankwa Burns um further down the line but Chamak Rovers have recruited really well and they're starting to bring those players through yeah, and as we said, it's I suppose it tempers in the longer term, not obviously not in the short term. He's only seventeen, but Danny Mandroy going over to Lincoln City, the club obviously in League One that were linked with Stephen Bradley, or even more than linked, and he did talk to them and eventually decide to stick with Champ Rovers. But in terms of Danny Mandroy and expectations for him now, and Lincoln maybe as a stepping stone, no disrespect to them obviously as a club, but where he can take his game, James. Like how do you how do you view the I suppose that move? For him and the potential trajectory that awaits him. Yeah, I think there will be. Like, I, I don't get people people in Ireland in particular don't see League One as a step up, and I, I don't get that. All I'll tell you now, when, when you're in Championship League One, it is a step up to what we're playing again. There's no question, and the likes of that kind of step will only progress Danny on more, and he'd probably put him in the window of maybe getting an international call up somewhere along the line. Um, he's obviously going to be, he obviously, when he signed his contract with Shamrock Rovers, his idea was, I'm using Shamrock Rovers as a stepping stone, or else there wouldn't be such a low buyout from his contract. He was obviously very assured of his own ability and very assured that someone will come looking for him. But it's one of the odd ones, actually, when you look at moves recently, because we've already had Dara Burns, Dara Burns going to MK, you got him going across Lincoln. But a lot of our moves, and it's interesting to say that. Justin was a Hamburg on loan, but a lot of our moves are going in that direction now into mainland Europe where the football's different. The guys have been physically, the, the, the physicality of the game is a little bit more different than it would be in the UK. But I think Danny, Danny has the potential of being a really, really class player if he gets his head into it, stays injury free and is willing to put the hard yards in and understand that, yes, I may not go into the first team straight away. Um, once you get that, I don't know about Paul. Paul's been there. Paul's, Paul's been there, done that, got the T-shirt. It can be very difficult for a lad who is the number one player here and end up not being the number one player when they go across. I think that's the mental part of it where you have to get that sorted first. And I think if he gets that sorted, shows what he's about in training, in pre-season and stuff like that, he could well flourish within that setup. Yeah, and I suppose having had the experience of being across there before, I think it was at Brighton as well, which yeah. sometimes can sometimes can help if you've had that behind you um, as well. Yeah, um, it can. It can. But again, that's the mentality part of it. There's several players who have come back and gone and come back again. It's it, He needs to grab it by both hands now and, and, and just really run with it. Yeah, and Paul, just on that move as well, what, what's your kind of view on it in terms of both, I suppose, from the Sham- how it impacts Shamrock Rovers in the short to medium term, and then also from Androyu himself in terms of where he's taking his career. Yeah, I mean, Shamrock Rovers' hands were tied uh, with regards to that clause that they had in the contract. They had to, they had to let him go. Um, it does leave a bit of a void, but I think if there was one position within the Shamrock Rovers team that they were maybe a little top-heavy, and it was it was definitely that kind of 10 central midfielder position. They, they seem to have an abundance of talent that can slot in there. I think for Danny, I think James is right. Uh, nobody will ever question his talent. He's he's got, um, you, you know, quite a unique sense of or a style of play where he's able to travel with the ball very quickly. He's got goals in his game that he showed, particularly last season, and a creativity. So it is it is about knuckling down. Um, 
it is about kind of hanging in there when when things are tough. Uh, I've played in League One. The league might have changed slightly, but it's it's extremely physical. You know, there's 46 games a year. Uh, that's not including the cup competitions that go on with. Not that Johnson's playing trophy. I can't think what they've renamed it, but they seem to rename it every year. Uh, and the V Vans. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh it's it's difficult. It really is. Now he's got a good landing ground. I, I think your first move over is very important. And I think Dara Burns and Danny Mandre will probably have have good what I used to call landing grounds where you can get in, you can afford to maybe make a couple of mistakes, but actually still be in contention of playing within a first team where he might not get that sort of allowance within a championship team. Um, it's going to be it's, it'd be an interesting one to see how it, how it pans out um, I, I think both Burns and Mangeo I think will be successful in, in those moves I, th- I think they've just found a good club where um, you know the, the sort of ethos of those clubs is about getting the ball down and kind of playing an expansive game and I think that lends itself well to, to, to both of those individuals so listen fingers crossed they've both got the talent uh, it's about knuckling down now. It is a tough league. There are going to be times when they're out, out of the side, but it's just about being mentally strong and, and fingers crossed it goes well for them. I think yeah. from, from from Danny's point of view, I don't know about you, Paul, I think it helps he's got in at a time where they've just changed manager mm. and the manager happens to be a former Irish winger yeah. <laughs> who kind of played in a similar kind of style to what you see Danny play. So yeah, I think and- that'll help them. Yeah, I think so. And I also think the timing of the year, um, signing and getting a full preseason under your belt is is very important because you get you get minutes on the pitch to actually show what it is that you can do. Um, <clears throat> the lads will obviously be coming across fresh, having played the guts of of half a season here. So that will benefit them. Um, and you're just you're just hoping, like you're hoping that somebody like a Luke McNally is an example of of what it is that can be done, you know, goes over, probably not a move that people think is exceptional or you know lavish going across to Oxford Oxford are a superb club a really really superb club of, of bringing players through MK Dons are the exact same and you're hoping that if they have a good 12-18 months well then they get themselves that bigger move into the championship and if you ask me that's our best route for our younger players to go into the likes of a Preston you, you see with with Andy and, and Daryl Horgan um, it's difficult to get in there. Graham Burke is another example. Even myself, when I went to Sheffield Wednesday, got in for a couple of games. It's hard to stay in at those clubs. There's so much on the line when you're playing a championship. Going into League One is a much better route and then hoping to to make a move then into a championship team and become maybe a more fundamental part of one of those squads. Yeah, we'll see how they get on. But hopefully, obviously, even for their international credentials, uh, yeah, League One, a great a great pathway first to start off, as you said. Um, and I think the name of that uh, trophy, it's the Papa John's trophy now. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can never say it with a straight face. It's just I remember when Rotherham United won it and obviously we had a, with a few Irish lads <laughs> playing it as well. But yeah. Of course it's the Papa John's. Yeah, Why the Papa John's. Do? I'd say dominoes are raging. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, moving on from the pizza derbies. Um, it's uh, yeah, Sligo Rovers in the Europa Conference League. So in terms of winning games as well, they went away to Wales, beat Bala Town 2-1. Went down to an early goal, Lassana Mendes scoring in the sixth minute. But then it seemed to be all Sligo Rovers in terms of the key moments up until pretty much late on. Aidan Keena, great classy goal and just midway through the first half. And then Max Mata just after halftime, opportunistic finish. And then Nando Pinecker getting sent off with 10 minutes to go. So, um, Paul, in terms of 
this game impressive enough from Sligo Rovers, I suppose, particularly, I suppose more so in terms of the concession of the early goal, because that can knock a team. Yeah, I think that's the main point from it that, uh, you know, that they went behind and they were able to bounce back. It was a bit, a bit of a slippery one for, for Sligo Rovers because everybody was expecting that they would go there and they would win. And, and I know Ballatown are maybe not a, a massive name, but it's still a, a tricky tie any, any time you go away from home in Europe. But, um, the Kina goal was was sensational. Like the, the control first and foremost to take it away from the defender, and then the composure to just lob it over the keeper. Sometimes you need that in Europe. You just need some of your bigger players to step up and to produce a moment of quality. And I'm sure that helped relax everybody around them uh, and just settle into the tie. And then they've obviously got the second goal from a set piece, uh, slightly scrappy, but you take it. And you would imagine coming back to the showgrounds, being ahead. You would like to think that they would have enough then to see themselves through. Um, you know, sending offs and stuff are, 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 can really hamper sides, and you would just hope that they keep eleven players on the pitch this time round, uh, and that they just show an element of control similar to that of Shamrock Rovers last last week. And if they do that, I'm sure that they'll have uh, no issues with getting through that tie and and Motherwell awaits. So you know that could be a massive massive chance for Sligo Rovers. I think for Irish sides going up against. UK teams in Europe probably gives themselves a bit of a, a better chance because it's maybe similar to the football that we play week in, week out here. Um, so that that is huge for Sligo. And Keane signing a new contract is also massive news because he's been pivotal to what much of what they've done this year, particularly with, with Johnny Kenny moving to to Celtic last year. It was, it was diff, going to be a difficult job to replace him, but he's stepped in there uh, and hopefully he can file him through into the next round. Yeah, he's 11 league goals this season and then that goal against Ballatown being the 12th as well. Uh, James, in terms of his, I mean, the Ballatown manager name-checked Keena afterwards as being the difference and obviously his class is shining true. Yeah, it is. And, uh, we, we've heard about him for a little while, but the goal the other day is, again, like we spoke about composure for Farzai, but the composure for Keena, just to bring it back inside. Goalkeeper comes out, goalkeeper kind of helps him because the goalkeeper commits. So it's uh, an easy enough. It's exactly as we say, oh, Beth Mead's goal, I think, for England the other day, like it was, it was very similar to that. Just a little nick over the goalkeeper, and then it goes. It, it's a tough. That was a tough game for Sligo. In fairness, they were the unseeded team. They were lucky that the baller would come out as the seeded team they had to play first off. So they got the rub of the green there in the draw, which we've said for years. Irish teams need a rub of the green, but we've seen Irish teams go to Wales before as favourites. We've seen Bowes go over as favourites. We've seen um, Longford as favourites in the European tie against against Camaras, and I think it was Longford many, many years ago. And the only team to really put a Welsh team to the sword in all the times has been Derry against Aberystwyth a number of years ago. So it was good. It was a difficult tie for Sligo to go over for. It was good to travel. It was quite short. Good win. Get them back here. I fully expect Sligo to go through into the next round. And I think is it Motherwell they may be up against in the next round, I think. I, I, I'm not 100% sure where the draw is for that. Yeah, where they've come up in the draw, but if they get Motherwell again, like that's another good draw for them as well. Like in like into Fear Park, play against Motherwell, nice tight stadium, and anything can happen there. Like, do you know what I mean? But for John Russell and the lads, it's great to see them get a win in Europe because Europe was almost the undoing of them last year as far as the league campaign was concerned. So getting a win there now, great atmosphere, great for the Slugger Rovers fans. They went over in their numbers had what looks like 
done great tourism for our, the west of Ireland, it has to be said, with the, the reaction they got in Wales. So overall, a wonderful result for them. A tough tie, but they've come out on top of it. And that's all that matters. Yeah, the other the other Europa Conference League game involving League of Ireland teams, Derry City losing 2-0 at home to Riga. Now, Graham Gartland had billed this one as arguably the hardest of the ties that the, the three Irish teams have had in this round. And that's how it sort of uh, paved out in the sense of, uh, obviously, Gabriel Ramos scoring in the first half, Alexander Filipov, uh, short two minutes after Maddie Smith's red card. And it's the Maddie Smith red card, um, uh, Paul, like, it, looking at the footage, I didn't really see much going on there. It seemed to be like two yellow cards, one for the one for the Riga player and one for the one for Maddie Smith. And then, you know, when you see the red card coming out, it looked a little bit strange given the evidence that was in front of us. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. And I'm sure, you know, there was a number of people kind of scratching their heads, wondering about what went on. And to be honest with you, it, it wasn't just that moment. There was a couple of iffy decisions within that game that you were kind of looking at. There was actually one with, with Shane McElhenney. has gone up for a header and there was no attempt to play the ball, which easily could have been given as a penalty. Um, but yeah, that that certainly kind of, I guess, held back any sort of comeback that they were hoping to have on the night. But it was always going to be a tough one. Uh, James mentioned there about the rule of the green with the draw. This was this was quite a difficult draw. Riga of, of being strong in European competitions gone by. And particularly when you combine that like Derry haven't been in in great form of late uh I, I think a Derry early on in the season would have given this a much better bash than the Derry that we've seen kind of pre the the, the summer break like they're leaking goals left right and center and that's always a concern when you go up against better opposition because they'll just punish you um and going two behind us has given them <clears throat> a massive massive mountain to climb and you would expect that they would probably concede again when they're out in Riga, and that that would just be too much of a of a mountain to come back from. So, uh, listen, you just can't afford to give chances to to that quality of opposition um, and expect to to maybe stay in the tie. But it's it's been a funny one for Derry the last number of weeks. Like they they come back and they beat UCD, and I think they they beat Bows and they got six points, and maybe you're looking at a bit of momentum coming back into their form, but. Pre the break, like it was, they were struggling to to pick up a win, and that surprised us because earlier on in the season we we're probably talking about them pushing Shamrock Rovers after a great run of form that they've been on. A couple of injuries to to keep personnel certainly hasn't helped, but um, it's one where they just need to get back to basics and and try to pick up, particularly in the league form. The European campaign is is probably over now, but it's about consolidating, building on what it is that they've done to date, and then looking to maybe take another step up the ladder to actually bridging that gap to Shamrock Rovers. But yeah, the referee decision was funny. The game itself was probably a bit topsy-turvy. I can see James here itching to get in to talk about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah, yeah, to go to you, James, because obviously, <laughs> as uh, as Paula said, it's a tall order coming back uh, in the second leg. And it, like the, both goals that they conceded looked fairly soft. I mean, there were just attacks down the left and then just balls turned in and obviously um, scored from the end of it. But uh, what's your view on that one? Oh, oh my view. Oh, I have I haven't shouted at a linesman as much in my life since Anthony Butler was refing. It has to be said. And <laughs> um, the first goal in particular, chains done by a ball over the top. Striker runs onto it. Striker clips it back from a full two yards behind the end ball line. A full two yards. The striker actually stops. He hits it back and stops. That's how much. Even his body language told you he it wasn't him. And then I looked below us because I was right in line with it. I looked below us to see the lines on. Here comes the line from his flag. The linesman is 10 yards behind the play. He's so far behind the play, it's not funny. 
And then with the sending off happens literally in front of me. And what it is, Matty, Matty wins the ball, knocks the ball off the defender, goes out for the throw in. As Matty runs past the defender, the defender shoves him in the back into the linesman. Matty turns, defender originally grabs him by the throat and then grabs him by the face. And Matty does the one thing that every single player is always told, don't raise your hands. Raises his hand, hits him, but the lines runs directly behind Matty at this stage. You can't see what's happening in front of him. And everybody in the stand <coughs> were giving out to Matty for doing what he did. But when the referee came over, we were fully expecting either two yellows or two reds. Not a yellow and a red. But that's what happens in European football. You get that's the rub to the green, as you said. But Riga then obviously attack from the next throw in, go play two or three balls, completely demolish Derry, 2-0 up. But anybody, even as a Derry fan, if you're looking at that game, I don't think Riga even got into second gear. I think their physicality, they're all really big, they're really, um, really fit, really quick. They, at some stages, they were playing a front four and every single one of them were interchanging where they were going. So Derry defence didn't know who they were picking up at some stages. And they got away with a couple of chances where we think Riga are just going to push on here and absolutely bury them. And it just shows even their touch on the pitch. Like the pitch, for some bizarre reason, when they built the pitch, they didn't put a sprinkler system in. If you're building a brand new pitch, surely you put a sprinkler system in. So it was a really warm night in Derry, probably the warmest night I've ever seen in Derry. And the ball was running slow or it was spinning oddly, but Riga got to it. And every time the ball hit them, first touch, killed it dead, which gave them five or six seconds to look around for a pass, whereas Derry, everything was frantic. And it was the age-old thing, if, if something's not working, just swap, swap, do something different. But they never did. They just kept at the same way of trying to build up through the pitch, trying to go through the, the turds on the pitch and stuff like that in the exact same way and much slower than what Regan were doing. So at the end of the day, there may have been referees' decisions against Derry, but I fully expected Regan would have won it anyway. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a tall order. I can't see Derry coming out of this on Thursday evening in Riga with anything. If they get a draw, that would be wonderful for Derry because it does give coefficient points, but they're definitely not going through the next round. Yeah, and thanks for clarifying that first goal because the camera angle I had, I couldn't tell if it had gone over or not. It was the way he kind of snapped it back. So anyway, at least it doesn't it doesn't matter in the end now. Anyway, and the red card was said, yeah, like they, they were a much better team, um, and it, it goes to show like they're just they're just streets ahead. Like, and it was rubbing the green draw. It was probably the worst team for Derry to draw in that group. Yeah, I suppose Matty Smith, he definitely would have got away with it had it been in the Armagh Galway game a few weeks ago. But the less said about that, the, <laughs> the better. <laughs> anyway. Um, he might have got away with it, but Owen Toll would have been sent off as captain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, domestically, um, obviously Derry City, um, Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers not involved uh, in the Premier Division action last Friday. So UCD lost 3-1 home to Bohemian. So Bo's back on track and they needed between this game and also playing Drada um, afterwards, they needed to, to get a victory and push themselves back into some sort of momentum. And then Dundalk, I think pretty much it ends the any talk of, you know, a title shout losing the derby, the loud derby to Drada United, Dean Williams uh, scoring very early on and uh, leaving Dundalk well off the pace. And then Shelburne, beating Finn Harps 3-1. We'll talk about shells first. Um, let's listen to Damien Duff, who was speaking to Oshin Langan after that victory. 
Uh, thoroughly deserved to win. I guess it was, you could maybe feel the nerves off the guys. First 15, 20 minutes, I think the goal um, settled them down maybe. I don't know whether they were thinking themselves that Finn Harps have a hoodoo over us. Obviously, their only two wins this season were over us. But no, listen, they thoroughly deserved to win. Um, really good performance, really pleased with them. And uh, just unfortunate that our game next week is is called off. And it's back to, I guess, training and probably doing a mini pre-season again. We'll get back to that in a second, but Gavin Malloy scored twice tonight. He only made his debut, his full debut, I think, last week. Jad Hakiki also played incredibly well. Young lads seem to be leading this, and they're doing it in a very creative way. Yes, um, I've said it many times in the last three, four weeks. I don't play young lads just to say I've played a young lad or take pressure off myself or anything like that. Gav and Jad were probably the two standouts tonight, so you can see why they are playing. Um, I thought they were magnificent along with the rest of the guys and the guys that came on so um, yeah they happen to be young players I, I don't know whether it was a conscious thing last window at the start of the season we obviously it's well documented we got rid of 15 guys released them sorry um, and we got 15 in and yeah a lot of them happen to be young boys how frustrating and you've already mentioned it but how frustrating is it that you now have to wait for a couple of weeks having got a bit of momentum Listen, it is what it is. Um, I obviously wanted to play the game. Um, it's a catch-22 because you want to help teams in Europe as well and be fully prepared, so I get all that. Um, it just means that we'll probably have to play three games in a week later on in the season. Um, so listen, it's done. Maybe it'll be us one day, you never know, in a few years' time that we're in Europe and we're asking the team to be uh, call off a game. But for now, it's just about getting points on the board. And finally... Tonight gives you a bit of a cushion, and I think it's fair to say that one of your aims was to stay up. Is the aim kind of changing now, given the form you're in and given the position you're in, to maybe try and get into Europe? Uh, like I said, it's seeds have maybe been planted at times in team meetings. It's all about dreaming, isn't it? Dare to dream, so could it happen? Yeah, there's points there to, to do it, but listen, again, I'm not getting carried away. It's just about staying up. Um, so that's that's all I'm worried about. All right, so that's uh, Shelburne manager Damien Duff speaking after the 3-1 win over Finn Harps. <laughs> obviously, Gavin Malloy took a lot of the plaudits with a couple of goals. And then, obviously, Moylan, who's been in pretty good form for them over the season, adding the third. But the discussion there that Oshin asked him about was in regards to the young players. And Damien Duff has been very proactive in terms of giving these players opportunities. And obviously, that will lead to inconsistency. But Jad Hakiki was one player who's been you know, gaining plaudits, uh, Paul. like What have you made of him so far? He's made nine appearances and coincidentally three of them have been against Finn Harps this season but he seemed, he seemed to really impress against Harps Yeah he has done uh, I think um, you know Damien Duff has done well of actually blooding these youngsters in and actually maybe drip feeding them minutes over kind of the period of the season and not just throwing them in the deep end early on and Geeky's one of them who's kind of grown particularly over the last number of months the more minutes he's had the more you kind of see him coming to the fore uh, dangerous in the final third and certainly has elements of his game that you can see are going to lend itself well to the way that they're looking to set up and play. <clears throat> really important that Charles won that game uh, against Finn Harps, particularly given the, the previous two fixtures that they've had against Harps and, and the points that they've dropped there. So, um, you know, vitally important. I think naturally enough, Jack Moylan is another one who we kind of look at as a youngster that they've brought through and has done incredibly well. Um, and what you're looking to do is, is maybe just keep building with those players uh, give them the minutes, give them the the kind of game time that's going to allow them to progress. And then you're hoping that when you, you start next season that you've got kind of more of an experienced squad to work with and play with. 
<clears throat> and Duffer's done that well. They're probably still maybe two, three, four bodies short of of getting to that next level. I know Europe was mentioned within that interview. It's maybe a step too far for them right now. There are teams above them who are being terribly inconsistent, which could open the way for them. You would imagine it's probably a bit too much too soon. Um, but yeah, listen, I think the players within there, the likes of Luke Byrne, the likes of Sean Boyd and Brandon Clark, who've been around the league, have been vitally important to, to them, particularly when they had that bit of a, an iffy start at the beginning of the season. But you can start to see the fundamentals of what uh, Shells are trying to do coming through. Uh, the results have kind of come in tandem with that and the home form has started to pick up. So a number of good signs there. If I was a Shells player and I heard mini pre-season in the middle of the interview, I'd say my ears would be <laughs> Mini preseason in July, halfway through the season. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then at the other end, uh, the live derby, um, James. You know, the there's two there's two sides to the coin here. Obviously, I think we have to recognise Drody United are having a very very solid season. When there was talk of them maybe being closer to Finn Harps and UCD, and then the other side of it, obviously Dundalk, who've been defensively very resilient. You know, the, any talk of them really pushing Shamrock Rovers, they would have needed to win a game like this and, you know, keep the pressure on. But I think we can we can end any title talk now, I'd say. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, they've still got a game in hand on Rovers. It only puts them, what, seven points behind still to play them. I, I don't think... I think we're talking titles are over and done with now. I think we're a bit premature. Um, their next game against St. Pat's is going to be massive. They're away at Richmond Park if they can beat. St. Pat's, then that puts a different spin on things. Derbies are always a cagey affair. Even if you look at the their preseason game that they have, the I forget the, the Jack Malone Cup, maybe I forget what it's actually called, but they um, they they're always tense occasions. It does put a bit of a a stopgap in how they were playing and how they were performing up until that. But that's that's the nature of this league. Everybody's capable of of beating everybody else. The only problem I have for Drada is that like they've got 25 points now. At this stage, I think they had 25 points within 15 games last season. They did they got off to a really, really good start last year and then got dragged back down towards the relegation playoff kind of area and they got away with it in the last couple of weeks. So you just hope for them that they can pick up more points like this so as they're not dragged into that. But even at that stage, they're like they're with the eight in the table, they're 26 points behind the leaders. There's a massive gap between them, but there isn't that much of a gap between sixth and them. So there's still a possibility for them to pick up points and off they go. They've got like matches are coming up. It's on with Shelburne there. Shelburne have 11 days before their next match. And then, of course, the week after that, we're off of league. We're into the FEI Cup. So maybe a couple of results before that will do draw the well. And then, like everybody, a bit of a cup run will help them as well. Because if you don't get a cup run this year, You've got weeks where you'll be without matches again. And try to need matches the same way Shelburne need matches. And if Shelburne go out in the first round to Bray Wonders as well, Damon Dust can be doing a lot more pre-seasons somewhere around September and October <laughs> as well. <laughs> but now, good result for Trotter. Poor results on reflection for Dundalk. But uh, it depends on how Rovers do in Europe as well. That's the, that's the one caveat on this. Rovers keep going in Europe. Anything can happen in the league. Then, yeah, I just want to clip it myself. And I, I told you so from somebody when Dundalk do lift the trophy at the end. <laughs> uh, and but a quick word on Bowles, Paul, actually, because um, obviously they got a it look that they had an early setback, but then obviously were able to kind of 
fight back and uh, win three one in the end. Yeah, they were, and I, I think UCD is a game that you'd expect Bowes to to go and win. Um, game management is is probably something that people continue to go back to about Bowes. Um, going behind against UCD and being able to bottle back is certainly something that will please uh, <clears throat> Keith Long. Watch part of their game there in the weekend against against Union Berlin. There was a good stream going on. So it's good European chance. game. European game, yeah. There, <laughs> I get death off Bose fans, so I better not say too much. Um, yeah, it was a good chance to see some of their new players come in, though. I thought uh, John O'Sullivan did quite well. Young uh, Burke at left back looks a good player as well. I would have seen him when he was at Pats as an underage player. Looks like somebody who could maybe help them uh, and help their back four because they have looked leaky at, at different stages during the season. It looks like Dawson Devoy is, is gone. Uh, he didn't travel with the squad to, to Union Berlin as, as far as I know so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to MK Dons that would be a huge loss but for Bose it's it's just about consistency they've they've failed to back up good results with kind of a, a run of good results and they've seemed to have dropped points from winning positions particularly against the likes of Derry if I remember uh, correctly and, and if they can kind of fix that you, you would you would fancy them to, to push for that top three top four uh, position, but if they don't, it could be a frustrating end of the season for Bulls fans. But the win against UCD is is one that you would expect, and it's about whether or not they can push on. Now, keep saying that the the teams outside of Shamrock Rovers is kind of like a group of maybe five or six teams where inconsistency is just littered throughout all of them, um, and nobody seems to be able to go on a run of form. That leaves it wide open for Europe. Uh, and it will make an exciting end to the season. I disagree with James. I think the league is well and truly over. Uh, I, I think if you were to start the team's level on points now, I would still fancy Shamrock Rovers to win it. Uh, Dundalk, not there just yet, uh, as far as I can see. And I think it, it, it leaves Shamrock Rovers in a nice position now to, to solely focus on European football. Yeah, if uh, if Dundalk do win the league, I will clip out yourself. <laughs> I'll clip out myself, and we'll just burn the footage and make sure it's never never seen again. <laughs> um, in the first division, though, uh, Galway beat uh, Cove Ramblers three 0 so that's a big result for them on the way to playing Cork City next week, and then Treaty or well, sorry, this week, this Friday, uh, Treaty United uh, beating Longford Town three 0 a big win for Wexford, three one <laughs> away to Waterford, and then Bray Wanderers winning two one at Lone Town. A uh, very quick word on these ones. Uh, Paul, I mean, Stephen Wall scoring twice for Galway and then obviously setting up what is, and also with the caveat that Cork City have a game in hand, but it's setting up a, a nice juicy game there on Friday now. Yeah, it is. And and it's kind of been nip and tuck between these two sides for a long period of time now. And and the results against each other are probably going to be the ones that determine which way this, this league table finishes. Um, Cork have, have done incredibly well with quite a young squad and Galway have been on their... <clears throat> right there with them the whole way uh, throughout the season. So, yeah, it sets it up perfectly. I mean, it will be great if they were to continue with this kind of trajectory of the two teams just going at it now between now and the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for either one that does get promoted, it's going to be a great addition to the Premier, Premier Division. Yeah, and then finally in the Women's FAI Cup, there were a number of results there. Bohemians uh, Bohemians beating Galway 1-0 after extra time. DLR Waves beating Treaty United 5-0. P-Mount beating Finglas 16-0. Cork City 7-0 against Bonaghy United. And then Whitehall Rangers losing 7-0 to Athlone Town, who are having a great season. And the quarterfinal draw is tomorrow. And I think that brings us to an end. Obviously, loads of coverage of the Women's Euro 2022 all across RTE for the rest of July. And the second leg of Shamrock Road 
turnovers against Hibernians of Malta is on the RT News Channel from 6.55pm on Tuesday. So lots to tune in for James O'Toole. Thanks, Emil, for coming on this week. And Paul Corey, uh, best of luck. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Rob.